Barbecue Right Studios in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Good morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. Uh, Matt, today is May the 4th, so may the 4th be with you. For all of our... Um Let's just uh, Star Wars nerds. Can we just call them Star Wars nerds? I'm, That's okay. I'm Star you Wars. like Star I was, Wars? I was Star Wars nerds when I was okay. little. I'm, I'm kind of into them now. When did they start doing this though? This is the last. I think when yeah. the new ones came out. Yes, the new ones came I would out. Say That's that. right. That's right. That's right. That's when it kind of well, became okay. May Fourth Day. It became popular culture when the exactly. new ones came out. And I'm not saying the nerdheads back in the '80s weren't already doing sure. it, but it became popular culture. Sure, but yeah. you've never you've never worn uh, you know yeah. dressed like Obi Wan yeah. or anything like I'm, that. I, I'm, I, as you see me this morning, I am not dressed in my robe to go to work. Right. I'm, if if we were talking, if we were acting dressed up as Star Wars characters today, I would probably be Jabba the Hutt. That's where, that's where we are. That's where we are after the weekend. I'm just kidding. Did, did okay over the weekend. But uh, just basic stuff all weekend, Derek. Just uh, had an opportunity to go to church on Sunday. Went to the softball game, which we will talk about shortly. Absolutely huge weekend for the official softball team of the uh, Under the Water Tower podcast. The Hernando Lady Tigers move on to the North Half Championship. And also, Derek, have, a, have an interview with the North Point Trojan baseball coach, Coach Kirkpatrick, I mean, I edited and worked on the interview uh, after you had interviewed him on on Sunday. What a nice guy. Really nice guy. And just a really good interview. Had fun. Had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, could have you know, talked to him for a – we talked a lot off air, uh, which I'll, I'll kind of cover. Um, but a lot off air about just, you know, what it means, the ramifications for some of his players who could get scholarships that the, the, the teams don't have room for because, you know, people aren't – the players aren't being drafted in the last two years because of COVID. They're giving people extra years. So it's had a lot of ramifications on that side of it. So just some good conversation. But uh, but the actual what's on, you know, what he recorded, uh, looking forward to that. We have about 16 minutes worth of uh, sure. audio that we'll have at the end of the show. Well, it seemed like he may have been interviewing for my job. So he better, he better just slow his roll <laughs> there. But uh, very good interview, that definitely. Well, look, if you're looking to move around DeSoto County or move somewhere closer to North Point, now's the perfect time to reach out to our 2021 presenting sponsor, Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Team Couch of Birch Realty Group possesses over 64 years of combined real estate experience. That's in the residential real estate market here in DeSoto County. They have over 25,000 closings since 2009. They are ranked nationally as a top-performing real estate team. Again, they are full-time, full-service realtors, which means they are available to you when you need them. Recently, they were voted DeSoto County's best realtor for the fourth time. Now's a perfect time to reach out to them. Free, no obligation market analysis. That is a free, no obligation market analysis currently to see the value of your home, what's going on in your neighborhood, different ways to stage your home. Now's the time to reach out to Brian and Terry at Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. You can call them at 662-449-1700. That's 662-449-1700 or Find them at teamcouch.com. That's teamcouch.com. Thank you to Brian and Terry for being our 2021 presenting sponsor. As I mentioned moments ago, Coach Kirkpatrick sat down with us in the How to Barbecue Right Shop studios right here in Hernando. How to Barbecue Right Shop is located just 500 yards past Connection Gymnastics right here under the water tower. This store has everything a man needs for barbecue, crawfish, and all other kinds of outdoor cooking. They have rubs, knives, sauces, thermometers, cast iron, cutting boards, and some really cool high-end smokers. If you've ever seen Malcolm's How to Barbecue Right cooking videos, you need to stop by his shop today. You can give them a call at 662-912-9947. 
That's 662-912-9947. Find them on Facebook at H2Q Malcolm Shop. But the best thing to do is to visit the How to Barbecue Right Shop located just 500 yards past Connection Gymnastics on Memphis Street right here under the water tower. Thank you to Malcolm and Rochelle for being our 2021 studio sponsor. Derek, it is the first Tuesday of the month, which means we will discuss some Alderman meetings. Alderman meetings will take place tonight in Hernando and South Haven. Catch us up in Hernando. What we got? Pretty basic agenda, I would say. I do want to mention a couple things. Usually we do not cover the consent agenda. I do want to mention there's two things in the consent agenda tonight that they will look to approve or should approve since it's part of the consent agenda. Let me stop you right there. Consent agenda simply means the mayor sends it out to the Board of Aldermen, sends an email out and says, hey guys, here's five things, 10 things, 15 things, 20 things that should pass unanimously. Let's go ahead and knock those out and give your consent so we can move forward so it speeds the meeting up, correct? That's right. And there's, exactly. not, there's not a presentation, anything like that involved. Perfect. Consent agenda. Got consent it. agenda. This is usually, uh, for Hernando, it's about number six or seven as part of their using that time frame, it comes right after the approval of the docket of claims, which are the payments that have been made that they're approving after the fact uh, and the, uh, the minutes for the meeting. So it's um, kind of like when a wife says to a husband, hey, we need to talk. If he had like a consent agenda, that's probably would be a good thing. Oh, yeah, so can we, are, we can agree on this, this, and this. Yeah, and, yes, okay, I'm going to send you I'm gonna send you an email, 17 things related to the kids, related to the car, related to the house, and you just consent on them. Yeah, That'd done. be pretty good, done. yeah. So, uh, so what they're consenting to tonight, the first two I want to cover. The, the first one is to authorize the city to apply for the 2022 Tourism Development Grant. And what this does, this is a grant that they use to support the Hernando Dickens of a Christmas. A really good time here in Hernando, a good event that they have every year, or they've been having every year for the last couple of years. It looks like they're trying to make it an annual event, so they'll apply for that grant. And the other one is to authorize the city to apply for an MDA, Mississippi Development Authority, small grant for the Hernando Water Tower 10K. And so this is basically helps to pay for all the advertising and supplies for the 10K, so a grant that they can get through the MDA. So again, small things. If you wonder how the city pays for some stuff, or how the when you hear Gia always talking about applying for grants, or, the, or when the mayor comes in here and says, "Hey, you know, we apply for this grant, apply for this grant." These are some of these are the smaller ones are done in the consent agenda, and we kind of just want to know, let the listeners know where those proceeds come from. Now, moving on to the regular uh, part of the agenda. Speaking of Gia, number 12 uh, on the agenda is to authorize to give her a 2% raise. Cannot think of anybody better, more sure. deserving than Gia of a 2% raise. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Gia Matheny does uh, a lot of work to uh, <laughs> valuable work over there to deserve the 2% raise. I think we're supposed to sit down with Gia sometimes this month, discuss a number of different things going on, projects, Hernando Farmer's Market, uh, that type's A Fair, all that type stuff coming up. So look forward to that. Yeah, I went to the farmer's market on Saturday. Just a outstanding turnout. Beautiful. Of course, they couldn't have asked for sure. you know, Chamber of Commerce Day for the first day of the farmer's market. But all the aldermen came out to ring the bell. So all of them were out there to ring the bell uh, at 8 o'clock. Got it started and already was packed. Just a wonderful see everything, everybody back out. And uh, really looking forward to the summer and for having her come in here. I think Gia actually, I think Gia set up the weather. So that kind oh, of worked she did. out. She probably did. She just ordered it. <laughs> Number 16 on the agenda is... Madison Lakes PUD. That's all we'll say That's about all we'll that. Say, yes. Uh, number eighteen. Uh, the city is going to look to authorize the parks to host a five v five summer league for both the youth and adult soccer. This will be something that's new. Usually in the soccer, uh, using the summertime, the soccer fields kind of lay dormant. Uh, I believe the competitive league, of course, the rec league ended this past weekend. The competitive league 
ends about the third weekend of May, and then they usually have tryouts for the next year right after that. And then usually they shut down the fields to allow for growth, for fertilizing. You know, they have to be cut every week during the summer. That's the main part of the cutting to kind of keep – you can't cut it you know, too much at one time. It hurts the grass. And so they usually do a pretty good job with that. I'm interested to see kind of what this is going to entail, first of all, being able to offer it to both youth and to adults, and also to see – what it means, you know, in, in regard to the fertilizing, to the cutting and, and such. So that will be discussed tonight. Uh, the last couple things, there will be a, they're going to accept the best interest rate quote for a loan for what we've talked about on here before, $100,000 for the cemeteries to be refurbished, the $94,000 to improve the baseball fields. That will be discussed. And then finally, um, there is on number 21 to approve an order amending the budget for the fiscal year 2021. Now, I marked this one. It could be something very small. It could be one line item that they have to change. And of course, if you are looking to go over budget on something, you have to you have to put it in the, on the record. Or it could be something as massive as, hey, we're going to deal with the CARES money. Now, usually they have a discussion line about that. It does not say that. I'm not saying this could be anything big, but I did mark it for something I'm going to pay attention to tonight. And then, you know, anything that comes from that will report on Friday. Sounds like they have some neat stuff to talk about tonight. That uh, should be a long meeting. Ah, jinx you right there. So, so nice. two-hour long meeting right there. So, uh, you know, good luck to the aldermen and alderwomen tonight as they uh, work through the uh, city politics or work through the city business uh, here in the city of Fernando. Derek, something else. We're going to move north. We're going to go to South Haven. Basic alderman meeting tonight. Not a whole lot going on, but... The main thing that you wanted to talk about was a large project going on right there, part of the Silo Square project. What you got? All right, so Silo Square, of course, it seems like every time they have something on the planning agenda, uh, Silo Square has something that they want to send through. Uh, it's no different for tonight. The Lifestyle Communities is looking for subdivision approval and for the design review approval for Silo Square Commercial Phase 1, Lots 30 and 31. These lots are basically on the southern part of the current approved commercial lots. Matt, they're looking to put some type of loft apartment slash condos in that area. Now, I'm not quite sure if they're going to be apartments or condos. I don't have the master plan in front of me. I did look into the uh, actual agenda itself. They do have pictures of what they're going to look like. It will have a pool for each building. There'll be two buildings, a pool for each building and, and stuff like that. But again, I'm not, I don't want to speculate as to exactly what it's going to be because right now they're looking for the to approve the lots uh, for that purpose and then to also do the design review, which of course means what type of materials can be used for the buildings, what type of landscaping has to go with the buildings, all that kind of thing. So uh, that will be discussed tonight. Look forward to kind of hearing what the comments are on that. And really, Matt, other than that, just the mayor's report, which we always know is full of information, but won't know that until until tonight. Right. So mainly, mainly targeting young professionals, maybe uh, older men and women that maybe kind of Tired of mowing the grass, that type of yeah, stuff. I mean, kind of condo uh, stuff, I guess. And if you go to the, uh, if you go into the agenda, and again, if you want to nerd out like I did and go to the into the agenda, it's like page three hundred and thirty six or three forty somewhere in that range. Uh, you can see a picture of a, a rendering. It looks very similar to the ones that sit behind the Redbirds field. Okay. So very yeah, similar, yeah, yeah, about yeah. three story loft looking, and it looks very similar to that. Okay. Uh, so it's going to be those type of apartment slash condos that will, and again, kind of in an L shaped formation around a pool for each building. I think the designer for that's going to be AERC locally. That is correct. Doug Thornton here locally for Hernando. Well, that, that's the one that was submitted in the package. That's submitted. Right. So that's going to be interesting. So yeah, look, if you want to see that, you can certainly find it. Go to the South Haven agenda. They got a number of different things that you can take a look at. Um, but you know, Derek, it's young professionals that type stuff. The Get Well corridor is just booming. Absolutely, with Silo Square, it's going to be, a, uh, you know, kind of the hub of DeSoto County for a, a, a number of years. So something pretty neat. Again, good luck to the uh, Hernando Alderman, South Haven Alderman, as they work through their city business tonight. Well, Derek, we're going to expand out a little bit. Go statewide. Something 
we continue to talk about Tate Reeves, some different things. My daughter actually met Tate Reeves just the other day from a, so the uh, superintendent's youth uh, leadership council. Uh, made a trip to Jackson for, for uh, an overnight trip to Jackson. Sat there, visited with Tate Reeves for a little while. Wasn't able to ask him any questions. Which well, I, I could okay. imagine. Yeah, I thought. I mean, I, I, I answered some questions, seeing if he might could, you know, maybe sl- slide a card there <laughs> did across you, did about you have the YouTube phone turned on, and, on record and get a sound bite for the show. Just kind of there throw it out go. there. Right there. Might, hey, anyway, so got to visit with him a little bit. Uh, again, not ask many questions. Just kind of be in the same room with Tate, I guess. Something happened late last week. Tell us about it. All right. So uh, late Friday afternoon, Governor Tate Reeves issued new executive orders related to the COVID nineteen that will remove remaining f- mask restrictions except for those in a school setting through the end of the 2020-2021 school year. So the capacity limits on indoor arenas and outdoor venues have been lifted. So there's 100% indoors, 100% outdoors, allowing for sports and event spaces to return to normal. So I, I would I would venture to see you're about to see about four or five months of bigger concerts typically oh yeah. come to uh, Mississippi. Graduations can happen. Is the Lander Center, are they, are they doing that? Uh, the moving Lander forward? Center, I mean, that's it. That's why, oh, for the graduate, I mean, they can right. now. Right, they can and now. There's so. no, now, I'm not saying that they've scheduled it that way or they might have already sent out stuff to the parents having restrictions, but as of now, they're not required to have restrictions. Okay, so uh, inside, outside, the whole deal. That, that's it. Um, you know, of course, piggybacking off that, I do imagine the amphitheater that the Lander sure. Center will start, you know, booking stuff left and right because, I mean, there's a lot of pent-up demand. You know, we're aware of it. That's why we're bringing something ourselves yeah. to Hernando. But, uh, you know, I just – We'll see what happens. Yeah, so no more restrictions there. However, we'll allow businesses to implement their own mask mandates so private businesses can still implement their own mask mandates and social distancing requirements will not impose, but they will not impose any from the state. Right. So if a business still says, please wear a mask, if you know if they, if they say, hey, look, you can't come in here without a mask on privately, that is their right. Uh, Reeves did recommend that masks still war- be worn by individuals that come in close contact with customers, but it will not be required. That includes places like salons, barbershops, parlors, and spas. So this went out as of Friday, April 30th. So again, if you want to get your hair cut, your stylist can ask you to wear a mask while she cuts your, your sure. hair. Of course. But it is not no longer mandated by the state. And it's not mandated for her to wear it either because she, he just recommended it. That's right. He right, exactly. It. So it's kind of getting out of the way, a little bit of a libertarian, back to libertarian type situation, kind of getting out of the way and let people make their own decisions. So, you know, the UTW podcast, we've talked about it seems like forever now, Derek. Can't believe since August we've been talking about masks and different things, uh, at least on the show we've been talking about masks and vaccines and all that kind of stuff or, or you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, good for Tate to uh, open the state of Mississippi back up because, man, it seems like it's already <laughs> it's going to already happen. Well, I mean, you, people still wear masks. And when you go, Kroger still has it hanging on the door. You know, please wear a mask. Walmart still has it hanging on the door. Not saying they're going to kick you out, but they're still asking you to. But no longer mandated to. Any indoor, outdoor venue, you know, no longer has those, those restrictions put on it. Gotcha. Derek, something else state-related, the lottery, which I know you play quite a bit, Derek. You play a lot of lottery, well, a lot of scratch-offs. Every day, yeah. <laughs> you look like a scratch-off kind of guy. That's for real. But uh, played the lottery quite a bit. But some big news have come out of the lottery about education. Uh, the Mississippi Lottery Corporation has announced a surplus of revenue for the fiscal year over the initial appropriation of $80 million. Basically, they've already met their initial appropriation of $80 million, and then every dollar after that will go to education, which I'll mention in just a moment. But this is going to continue on through June 30th of 2021. So when the legislature passed the lottery back in 18, they said that the first $80 million of the proceeds every year will go to infrastructure improvements across the state, which includes roads and bridges. Really, you know, we have obviously, if you've driven the state, if you've driven 55, especially in the Jackson area uh, and other places, you know that our bridges, of course, are being redone in Tate County right now. Um, and we've got a lot of you know, road issues around the state. 
Well, that's what the first $80 million every year from the lottery has to go to. Anything above that goes to education. Well, this year so far, uh, I would say I would assume through April 30th, this year so far, they're at $115 million for the lottery. So $35 wow. million over. We know that education is guaranteed a minimum of $35 million. Now, when they were setting the budget back uh, in March, uh, when they when they did the went signed die, they understood that hey we're probably going to be in that thirty million dollar range. That's why you know that a lot of that money that you saw for the teacher pay raises, uh, some other things that were done during the session, they were assuming hey we're going to probably have at least thirty million dollars from the lottery because you know we're already at the eighty million basically back you know February March time frame. Sure. It's looking good for education. So we're going to go ahead and get some of the stuff approved for, which they did. Uh, I mentioned the pay raises, the learning collaboratives, the teacher supply funds, all those things were went ahead, they funded, they, they still held back $10 million. So again, they went ahead and put 25 out and said, you know, five or 10 million, we're going to wait to see, even though we think we're going to get it, we're going to wait to see what happens because Alabama at the time was talking about a lottery and how that could affect the east side of the state. Is that going to pull from us? Alabama did not pass it this session. Hmm. So that's going to come. So now we feel better about how to spend that, you know, five to 10 million. Plus we still have May and June. So we're going to maybe 40, $45 million increase. Uh, or excuse me, not increase, but uh, overage uh, over the $80 million. So I think just a real good thing for Mississippi, a real good thing for the education uh, for Mississippi. So be looking at that. I think you'll see, you know, this is going to be taken up for the rest of this year. And then the next year they may budget higher and be able to keep, you know, pour money into education. We know that we're at the bottom. We're working toward it uh, on, on the public side. But uh, it does make you feel good that, you know, with the lottery, some people are against it you know, what it stands for, but it is being put to good use uh, in Mississippi. Well, Derek, I think we're going to get with Mike McClendon and see if we can get something passed that once they hit 125, the anything above $125 million in the lottery goes to local podcasters. <laughs> that might be the way to go. <laughs> okay. Local podcasters, good anything above that. 125. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you know, every bit helps, you know, uh, local podcasts for sure. Wanna, well, Derek, thanks for the information on the lottery. Thanks for the information. Tate Reeves related and all around Hernando and South Haven Board of Aldermen. And as we mentioned just a few moments ago, congratulations to hopefully tonight a 2% raise will be uh, you know, going towards Ms. Gia Matheny. She definitely deserves that. And again, Ms. Gia Matheny is the contact for our newest advertiser, the Hernando Farmer's Market. The Hernando Farmer's Market brings together the best of local food, artistry, and the agriculture traditions of the Mid-South. It's a place to shop. It's a place to gather. But more importantly, it's a rare chance to experience the simplicity of a Mississippi small town. It is truly a fresh local experience. The farmer's market kicked off last Saturday and will run every Saturday from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. through October. That's May 1st through October from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. every Saturday. The last Saturday of each month will be a children's day with fun activities. There'll be live music soon. They also partner with the Society of St. Andrews, an organization who accepts food from farmers and shoppers at the market to give back to the needy right here under the water tower. If you need more information about the Farmer's Market, reach out to Gia Matheny at 662-449-9092. That's 662-449-9092. Ms. Gia Matheny, the Community Development Director, and our local contact for the Hernando Farmer's Market, the number one farmer's market in the state of Mississippi. Lauderdale Insurance Agency, your local state farm provider, is located at 11 West Commerce Street, directly across from the Hernando Post Office. Lauderdale Insurance is owned and operated by Sam Lauderdale, former alderman and local resident of Hernando. His team specializes in insurance for life, home, business, and auto. Mr. Sam encourages you to compare coverage, service, and price, but feels confident Lauderdale Insurance Agency should be your insurance provider. Please give Sam, Sherry, Angie, or Jennifer 
a call at 662-429-5213. Again, 662-429-5213. Or find them on Facebook at Lauderdale Insurance Agency. Are you in need of someone to mow your grass this spring, summer, and early fall? Now's the perfect time to reach out to Richard Williams and his team at Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. At this time, Richard is taking clients for weekly mowing, bi-weekly, monthly mowing, can set you up on a consistent mowing schedule to make sure your house is the best in the neighborhood. He can also help with leaf removal, winter cleanup, spring cleanup, anything you need outside of your home, Richard can help. Give him a call at 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. Or find Richard on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. That's Williams Lawn Services on Facebook. If you've begun planning your family trip for this summer, you know how much of a hassle it can be. And if it's gotten the best of you, now's the perfect time to reach out to Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher of Magical Destinations of Hernando. Whether it's that trip to Disney World, Universal Studios, or that tropical getaway, these ladies can help you plan the trip of your dreams. They work to get you the best rates with headache-free planning. Magical Destinations is locally owned and operated right here under the water tower. Give them a call today to start planning your magical getaway. You can reach Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher at 662-469-6304. That's 662-469-6304. Or check them out on Facebook and Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. That's Magical Destinations Unlimited on Facebook and Instagram. If your summer travel plans have become too much, now's the perfect time to reach out to the ladies at Magical Destinations Unlimited. Well, it's Tuesday, and that, of course, means our DeSoto County Fact of the Week, brought to you by Rob Long and the DeSoto County Museum right here in Hernando. Across from Area 51 Ice Cream, open from 9 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday. That's 9 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday, right here on Commerce Street in Hernando. Derek, this week's Fact of the Week is what? The Mexican War, of which several DeSoto counties took part in, is often an overlooked part of our history, as Rob Long sends us. Most northern Mississippians were mustered into service under the command of Reuben Davis of Aberdeen. Most of the soldiers fought with Panola County, as DeSoto County was still a young county that was around 10 years old. Apparently, the distance was such that as a county, we were late to the fight, but several of our citizens served with distinction. Now, Rob sent me an actual page from the DeSoto Descendants book that is in the museum. Wow. I want to uh, read briefly uh, the paragraph that kind of references what he was just talk to, uh, talking about. He said, at last, the fighting was over for Colonel Davis and his men. The Mississippi Rifles had performed magnificently during the fighting, earning a reputation which would later sweep Jefferson Davis into the presidency of the Confederate States. Taylor would later write in his report that Mississippi Riflemen under Colonel Davis were highly conspicuous for their gallantry and steadiness and sustained throughout the engagement the reputation of veteran troops. Brought into action against an immensely superior force, they maintained themselves for a long time unsupported and with heavy loss and held an important part of the field until reinforced. So again, just talks about even during the war, you know, our county was only 10 years old. Hernando, which was founded right there in 1836, it was, you know, less than 10 years old, That right at 10 years old. These men were sent uh, into battle with, with the Panola group, obviously held up very well in battle, did a great job, you know, represented Mississippi very well, and were, were given a recommendation, uh, you know, for that. We did have some loss 
losses. I know one of the names mentioned in here, uh, Sergeant Garland Anderson of DeSoto County, he's actually mentioned in the book, uh, along with several other men in his regiment. But, again, just a great resource that we have. Any kind of history that you want to see for DeSoto County, you know, this goes back, again, to the start of DeSoto County and what was meant uh, during that time and, and the men that went to battle and lost their life, you know, fighting at that time for the Texas Territory, but, of course, would give their life later on during the Civil War and, and the war wars to come. So, again, thank you, Rob, for this information and for any of the other information like this that you want to find, please go see him at the DeSoto County Museum. Are you considering a schooling switch for next year? Would you like to learn more about DeSoto County's largest, oldest, most desirable Christ-centered college preparatory school that serves students in grades PK through 12? North Point Christian School invites you to come visit them in South Haven and see why they were voted DeSoto's best. The school is currently on pace to exceed enrollment expectations for 2021-2022. They are experiencing high interest and excellent attendance at their open house events. In fact, if you are interested, don't delay in calling because multiple grades are nearing possible capacity levels. Due to the high demand, they have added an additional open house event. Their next Preview the Point event is scheduled for prospective families on Sunday, May 23rd at 2 p.m. School representatives will be on hand to answer your questions about North Point's distinctive approach to school health and safety, as well as their unmatched academic, athletic, and arts offerings. Reserve your spot today by contacting Director of Admissions, Mrs. Sheila Sharon, at 662-349-5127. Again, 662-349-5127. And come find out why North Point is best. Since 2001, Green King has been helping home and business owners enjoy lush, healthy, weed-free outdoor living spaces. They refuse to settle for the status quo, continuously researching and testing the very latest methods, products, and strategies to ensure your lawn looks better than the other guys. With technicians trained and educated with hours of continuing education and seminars each year, Green King is committed to doing everything they can to make and keep you satisfied. You can reach them at 662-892-8419. That's 662-892-8419. Or you can visit their website at greenkingspray.com. That's greenkingspray.com. Remember, if you want it green, call the king. The Soto Family Dental Care has been a presence under the water tower for multiple decades. With over 60 years of combined dental experience, Dr. Seymour, Paroli, and Trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments, general dentistry, implants, implant-supported dentures, and Invisalign. DFDC makes use of modern technology such as digital scanning, intraoral cameras, digital x-rays, and autoclave sterilization. An in-house lab allows your dentist to be fully involved in the lab process and the end result. You can be confident that the goal of each staff member is to create a comfortable environment to provide you with a relaxing, personalized dental care. Visit their office today or give them a call at 662-429-5239. That's 662-429-5239. They are the official dentist of the UTW podcast. Give them a call for the DFDC difference. Well, Matt, as you mentioned, you went to the uh, softball game Saturday night. Uh, you ended up seeing a fantastic finish to the game and just to the, uh, I guess, for that round. And uh, as you mentioned, Hernando did win, but I want to cover kind of how that happened. We're going to start, uh, as we always do, under the water tower, where the Lady Tigers drove the nine miles to face Lewisburg uh, the, and the Lady Patriots in game one uh, on Friday night. When they arrived, they faced a Lady Patriots team that was not intimidated and definitely they were ready to play, man. 
Gabby Dickerson put up an outstanding performance in the circle, going the distance in the 6-1 to win, and got all the offense she needed when Jalen Taylor hit a three-run bomb in the first inning. This broke Hernando's 25-game win streak and gave the Lady Patriots an advantage on Friday night in the best of two or three series. The next afternoon, both clubs then had to come to Hernando. In game two, the score was a bit closer. Julia Shaw was in the circle for Hernando, and Dickerson again pitched for Lewisburg. Despite giving up 11 hits, Shaw limited the Lady Patriots to one run thanks to good defense and timely strikeouts to get the the 3-1 victory. Dickerson gave up only three hits, but walked six, and two of the three runs scored by the Lady Tigers were unearned. On offense for the Lady Tigers, Emmy Musers had an RBI single in the first to get on the board first, and then the dandy dozen Riley Eister had a two-run double in the fourth for all the scoring. Lewisburg's lone run came on a single by Madeline Savage to score Kaylee Reed in the fifth, but that is all the runs that Lewisburg could muster. This win forced a deciding game three 30 minutes after the end of game two on Saturday night. In game three, it was Jenna Shaw, twin sister to game two winner Julia, and again, Gabby Dickerson took the mound for Lewisburg. She sure. pitched all three games of the, of the three-game series. Real quick, let's jump in. Julia Shaw and Jenna Shaw are twins, juniors at Hernando High School. Julia is right-handed. Jenna pitches from the left side. So it's almost identical twins right there pitching from the right and left side. It's really neat. So Gabby, of course, was again for Lewisburg. Uh, Hernando scored two in the first, one in the second, one in the third, and then an insurance run in the sixth to take game three, five to one. It was a great series between the two teams and hated that one had to lose. The Lady Patriots could hold their heads high and, finish the, and they finished the season at, at 20 and 10 while Hernando moves on to a rematch they now have waited two years for that we will discuss in a moment. Matt, just, again, had to be a credible atmosphere. Uh, my parents were in town, uh, as I, we, we talked about on Thursday afternoon that aired Friday morning. You know, we could hear from our back porch. We had gone to the baseball game, uh, which I'll talk about here in just a moment. But uh, we had got back, and we're sitting on the back porch while supper was cooking, and you could hear the screams sure. coming from the pop-off field. It's just, it was just awesome. It, it was a good time. I mean, get, to win both games on Saturday, again, Julia Shaw winning the first game 3-1. Her sister comes out. What you didn't mention was Janice Shaw hit the home run in the first inning to go up 2 to nothing. So she gave herself uh, enough runs to win the game. But just, I mean, out after out, Hernando just played really well. Uh, Riley's really solid there at shortstop, you know, made some good throws. Derek, there was a certain point where they, they made a 3-6-4 double play. Uh, yeah. So you, Emmy you at first, that. yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's professional. Oh, well, in softball, I mean, yeah. it's almost impossible. 60-foot bases, the girls are running, you know, much faster. I mean, it's only 60 feet. But the first baseman throws to the shortstop. Uh, Riley gets kind of, you know, slid into, and she throws it for, to Jacqueline covering. Man, they just play their butts off. That's yeah. just awesome. And we can't be – I can't be more proud of them. I thoroughly enjoy going. Great crowd, uh, great community atmosphere, people coming out. I, I did – at the end, though, I saw some of the D.C. players walk in, had their uniforms on. I think they were doing a little scouting. Uh, but, you know, get ready for it. I'm looking forward to it. Nice transition. Speaking of D.C., uh, DeSoto Central, uh, they had to travel to Germantown for game one of their best of three series on Friday night. Lady Jacks took a one nothing lead into the top of the six, where they got three runs, starting with Savannah Wilbanks' RBI. They gave up two runs in the bottom of the sixth, but rallied to get five more runs in the top of the seventh to pull away to a 9-2 victory. Savannah Wilbanks and Brooklyn Farmer had multiple RBIs for the Lady Jags to take the game one win. The next day in South Haven, the Lady Mavericks came to fight, taking game two 7-4 to four, to force the deciding game three 30 minutes later, so both Hernando and D.C. had to go all three games. Meg Vincent was in the circle for games two and three for the Lady Jags, and she saved her best for the deciding game. She goes all seven innings and spins a shutout, while Wilbank gets two more RBIs, and Dale has a home run for DeSoto Central. With the win, 
Germantown was sent home, and D.C. advances to face the Lady Tigers. This is the same matchup that took place two years ago in the same round, the North Half Finals. Of course, last year there was no season, uh, so this was two years ago. So the last North Half Championship were the exact same two teams back in May of 2019. The Lady Jags took that series and then won the championship one week later. They were the best two teams in the district all year, and they will meet again starting this Friday in Hernando. Hernando will get game one, while D.C. will host game two and three if necessary on Saturday. It starts at Hernando. Matt, where does everybody need to be in Friday night? Absolutely. Right behind Hernando Middle School. There's a softball field right next to the tennis courts. If you can hear our voice, you'll hear it again on Friday for our Friday podcast. I actually have to go out of town on Friday. Maybe you can make Saturday possible, but i got to go out of town. But look, if you hear our voice, go out Friday night. Support these young ladies. They are working so hard to bring a state title to Hernando, and they deserve it. Uh, go out there 5 o'clock. Really, you'll be glad you went out there. It's just a good community spirit. Uh, just a really big crowd there uh, on, on Saturday night to, to – pull them through for the, the second victory. But again, couldn't be more proud of these young ladies right here under the water tower. Again, working so hard with Hernando across her chest and I'm uh, very proud of them. The only other softball team still remaining uh, are the North Point Lady Trojans. The Lady Trojans ended their season, as we mentioned on our Thursday afternoon show, 15-4, and 8-0 in district, and they were awaiting their playoff seating. They will start the regional tournament tomorrow on Wednesday with home games Wednesday and Thursday for sure. And then we'll update you on this tournament, of course, on Friday. We'll kind of find out how they did on Wednesday and Thursday and kind of what that means for them uh, as they move forward. Now, Tennessee has a different playoff structure. Uh, you'll hear that in the interview with Coach Kirkpatrick here coming up in just a moment. Uh, but before we do that, Matt, we've got other uh, public school playoff baseball to talk about. That's exactly right, Dave. Hernando played a hard-fought you know, series with Startville. Couldn't quite get past it. Tell us about those games. All right, so the Tigers started the playoffs a day late, like most of the state, due to the weather that came through on Thursday night. So Friday night at Tiger Stadium, it was a tight game throughout with Starkville leading 4-2 entering the bottom of the seventh. Hernando started a rally and was able to get one run across but could not get that second run to at least tie the game and lost 4-3 in a hard-fought game, as you mentioned. The next night, the Tigers traveled to Starkville, and the only thing that is more gut-wrenching than a 4-3 loss is a one nothing loss in a pitcher's duel that went nine innings to decide. Yep. You know, so they went nine innings again for those of y'all that aren't quite versed in high school baseball. High school baseball goes seven innings. They went nine. It was 0-0 until the bottom of the ninth. So unfortunately for Hernando, Starkville takes both games uh, of the series by one run and sends the Tigers home by the slimmest of margins. Congrats to the Tigers on a great season. They have a lot of young talent, which I know they've played all throughout the year. We heard of eighth graders getting home runs, eighth grader making plays, ninth graders making plays. So they have a lot of young talent to look forward to and hopefully going even deeper in the playoffs next year. Derek, I uh, definitely want to give a shout-out to Reed Flanagan, friend of the podcast who's come on our show uh, last fall. Uh, would have been his last high school baseball game. So congratulations to him on a good career as a Hernando Tiger. But, uh, you know, he's got a very bright future as another Tiger. All right, so turning to Lewisburg, uh, the Patriots, who had a buy in the first run of the playoffs, that they wanted to kind of keep tuned up when we mentioned that they were North Point. They played North Point Friday night as a closing tune-up uh, that they wanted against good competition before the playoff began for both North Point and for the Lewisburg. Arkansas signee Tigert was on the mound for the Patriots, and James Smith was on the mound for North Point. The game was 2-2 heading into the fifth, where Lewisburg got one in the fifth and then one in the sixth to take the game 4-2, snapping North Point's 21-game winning streak. Scott Sharp got the win for the Patriots because he came in in the fifth and 2-2, and Smith got the loss. Braden Sanders, the Ole Miss signee, came in to shut the game down in the sixth to earn his first save of the season. With the Starkville win over the over Hernando Tigers, Lewisburg will now play Starkville starting Thursday night in the, in the Berg. 
Friday's game will be in Starkville, and game three, if needed, will be back in Lewisburg on Saturday. So, again, Lewisburg's the higher seed. They're getting the, the home games for the best two out of three. Man, I'm going to be honest, with, with those two arms, I, I, it's going to be really, really tough to beat yeah, it's going to be real tough. I mean, Lewisburg, I, I see them moving on. I mean, you're playing college, you know, D1 studs back-to-back. It's, it's really tough. It's going to be hard. Lewisburg's going to be a tough team to beat. All right, next, DeSoto Central. DeSoto Central was one of the few games that actually did take place on Thursday night. DeSoto Central traveled to Clinton, where it didn't rain until well after midnight, uh, to play the Arrows in the first round and ran away with the game in a 19-7 five-inning mercy rule. Brock Tapper pitched four of the five mercy rule innings, giving up four runs and striking out six. The Jags were led at the plate by Christian Sprawling, who went two for three with four RBIs, Andre O'Neill, who was two for four with four RBIs, Ryan Musselwhite, who was three for four with an RBI, and Gavin Brasfield, who was two for four with three RBIs. On Friday, DeSoto Central hosted the Arrows and had a commanding 6-0 lead heading into the sixth when the Arrows' bats finally got going and they put up four in the sixth. However, the Arrows could not get any closer, and D.C. takes game two, 6-4, and wins the series 2-0. Bradley Lofton got the win for the Jags and were led at the plate by Brasfield and Colton Coates, who each had two hits. They now advance to the second round to play Germantown this Thursday, beginning in Madison. You know, Matt, you know, that means they'll have to play uh, back in Madison on Saturday if it goes to game three. Uh, D.C. will be hosting Friday night in town. Like if you're looking for something maybe on Friday night, since Lewisburg's hosting Thursday, DeSoto Central's Friday. If you're, you know, just a, a high school baseball fan, there's a couple of good games that you can go see in the county. And I'm looking forward to a possible Lewisburg-D.C. North State Final if they both can you know, win their series. That'd be very interesting. I know Germantown's pretty darn good, so it's going to be tough for them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, all DeSoto County finishes for softball and baseball would be really, really oh, neat. Man. Yeah, teams we, teams we cover. Sure, that'd be great. And finally, North Point. Now, I covered the Trojans game against Lewisburg already, but the Trojans were not done with their tune-up. On Saturday, they wanted to start their next winning streak and faced West Memphis on Senior Dame, who they end up beating 18 to nothing. The winning pitcher was Garrett Waller, and the Trojans were led offensively by Baylor Napoli, who was 2-for-2 two two with four RBIs. Anthony Zarlingo was 2-for-3 with an RBI. Hudson Brown was 2-for-2 two two with a triple and an RBI. And James Smith also had a triple uh, in the game. Uh, Matt, I, this is the game that I attended on Saturday, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, one, uh, you know my wife, of course, she's kind of in charge of the marketing communications. I had to be there for senior day. Just a beautiful day. Got a little sun on, on my body. Uh, but just, I mean, competition was not Lewisburg tough, sure. uh, obviously. But it was just good to watch the, the seniors, last game at home for the regular season, uh, be able to go out there and just put on the show. And uh, just a great facility there. And, and, of course, you know, just wanted to say congratulations to, to the the seniors and for all that they've done as they now uh, approach the playoffs. Yeah, and again, we will have Coach Kirkpatrick in just a moment. He sat down with you on Sunday to discuss North Point, discuss North Point baseball. But Derek, I did a little research. West Memphis struggles in baseball now because all the baseball talent moved to Marion. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Marion, Arkansas has a better baseball program in the Marion area. So a lot of a lot of growth in the Marion area over the last ten years. And a lot of baseballs moved up there. Yeah, and also it's pretty funny that the, our, the pitcher Garrett Waller, who got the win for North Point, actually went to West Memphis two years ago. Oh, okay. He transferred. Well, and transferred. He decided to come to North Point uh, and started going to school at North Point last year. Yeah. Uh, and so he actually was pacing, uh, pitching against his old team. That's neat. Congratulations to all the softball and baseball teams in DeSoto County. We definitely want to send out a congratulations to them for a wonderful season. Also wish them continued success in the playoffs. Like we've teased the entire show, Derek did sit down with Coach Kirkpatrick, the North Point Trojans baseball coach, on Sunday, and we will go to that interview now. 
Well, good morning. We're here with Coach Stephen Kirkpatrick, the head coach for the North Point Trojan baseball team. Good afternoon, Coach Patrick. How are you? Thanks for having me on. All right, we're going to start this interview off. We kind of want to give everybody a background, and, and this is the first time you've been on the show. Where did you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Went to school at Ole Miss, played baseball there, and then played a few years at Millsaps. Married a girl from Hernando, and she won, and so uh, <laughs> that's why we're here. <laughs> so crazy thing. So uh, I coached a year at North Point whenever whenever we first got married, and then I went and coached in college for a number of years. Came back three years ago. But the baseball don't have a similar story. I do have a similar story that I married a girl from Hernando, and she won. She won. <laughs> so, I mean, it happens, you know. So like a lot of times. You know, the wives win, and so that's where you are. Wait, where are you from originally? I'm from Natchez, so okay. not, not too far from Baton Rouge, but 80 miles. Yeah. Uh, my brother actually went to LSU, so he's very familiar with it. Oh, like how Baton funny. Ridge. Yeah, I grew up about 10 minutes away from LSU, so um, now my parents literally live right across the lake from LSU. It's beautiful. So. It's a beautiful campus down there. Beautiful uh, campus. I Can do, we like I, it? I do prefer Ole Miss, but LSU. can we say that on a Mississippi podcast <laughs> that it's a beautiful campus at LSU? No, it's, it's a look. It's a very beautiful. If you've never been to the parade grounds and stuff, it's just it's a gorgeous place. Yeah. It's no Grove. No, no Grove. It's no, no Grove. grove. I, I mean, mean, is there anything like the Grove? There's just there's so, just one Grove. Yeah, there's, there's one only grove. one Grove. No Grove. So you kind of mentioned a little bit about your baseball background. So you know, you said you went to Ole Miss and the Millsaps. What what's how many years did you play to each? And yeah, so um, I played uh, my first two years at Ole Miss and played three years at Millsaps, and like I said, was done after that. You know, coaching wise, really wasn't even thinking about getting into coaching. It was really funny. I, uh, my wife and I lived in Los Angeles. We moved back and I was just kind of looking for something to do. And kind of through the grapevine, I heard the North Point was looking for an assistant baseball coach. And so I um, just kind of called up there and was like, hey, I heard y'all looking for a guy and it worked. And we had a really good year. I guess so. I can't remember what year that was. We made it to the final four that year. And then, uh, like I said, I went on coach at college after that. You know, my kids struggled in North Point and then it just kind of, yeah, it just kind of happened three years, you know, like three years ago, it kind of happened. So, so you never had any eye to look into coaching. It's just kind of something that you thought might be kind of cool to try and just yeah well I, like I said it was really just one of the things when like so um after I got done playing I always gave like I gave lessons I gave private lessons and I enjoyed it I mean I love the game and just enjoyed being around the game like I said it was really just kind of one of those things that one year um I just kind of did it and I was like man that's pretty cool and you know we won and I was just like the coaching bug kind of got me um, and hadn't left since. That's my wife will attest. <laughs> so I know your, your kids go to North Point now, but was there some kind of a random phone call? Was there something that you saw in North Point that you liked to want to put your kids there, continue to coach there? Yeah, so my kids started going to North Point before I started coaching there. Okay. And that's a, that's a big thing that I tell people is I was like, my kids started going to school. Leah's, who's in fourth grade now, started going to kindergarten. So this happened before I started coaching there. We liked the school a lot. We knew the school. Um, David Manley, awesome man. Him and I had a relationship from from me coaching there. And I was, you know, and then Lori Barbie, who teaches in kindergarten. My wife's adopted. Lori brought my daughter home from the hospital. Wow. I mean, just crazy, you know, and the biggest thing for us is North Point's not a perfect school. I mean, there's no perfect school no. around here, but we wanted a place that reinforced the things that we taught in the home at a school. That was what's important for us. We're like, hey, we're going to go ahead and make the investment in North Point. And I tell prospective parents that now too. I said, Hey, I said, you know, we chose North Point before North Point chose me. Mm -hmm. And that's important because that's how much I believe in the school and the mission. No, that's, a, that's a great point. And I, our son started going there when he was three. Mm -hmm. Kind of looked at it as a, a advanced daycare. Yeah. Because we, my wife worked in Memphis. Mm -hmm. I worked uh, in DeSoto County. And mm -hmm. so they had it to where they, they could stay till eight to three with instruction. Right. Yeah. And then three to five aftercare. And so it really worked out well. But the first two years when it was time to make the kindergarten decisions, we were so impressed by the values mm -hmm. and anything that was going on there. And of course, Mr. Manley was also there at the time mm -hmm. uh, that we you know, made the same decision to stay. So I, I appreciate you sharing that story. And I went to the game yesterday. It was the final. Awesome. It was senior day. 
yeah. uh, senior day. So the final, I guess, uh, a game for the senior final home game. And so that was just a real cool thing to see. See them all out there, six of them. And so kind of tell me when going into this year, you know, we had COVID, unfortunately, mm-hmm. that killed the season last year. Going into this year, what were your expectations for this specific team, you know, after having COVID cancel the season last year and not really being able to play as a high school team for two years? So it's crazy. Like, you, I didn't know. Like, I really didn't know. I was going into this season, I felt good about some things because I knew we had some talent. But the thing is, it's like, so basically, you know, I had two or three guys that had varsity at bats going into this year. <laughs> and you're just like, that's insane. But the thing is, is everyone else is kind of on the same page. Um, our summer program is really important to us. We were able to have a full summer program last year. And that, I feel like, was a huge benefit to us because guys got development. We got to play together. We got to have some shared successes, some shared failures. We got to deal with adversity together. So that really kind of galvanized us. And then again, it's just the off-season program. I mean, I've got guys who want to be good at baseball. I've got guys who want to put in the work in the off-season to improve their craft. And all those things kind of came together. You know, kind of here we are. Uh, again, it, looking back on it, I've had a couple people ask me, like, hey, do you think y'all were going to do as well as y'all have done? I said, I really didn't know. I remember going to the first game, like, you just kind of a toss-up. Mm-hmm. You know, because literally, you know, I had one of, my, one of my arms had some significant varsity experience as a sophomore. And then other than that, like, I had one, I had two guys that had started one game. You know, <laughs> so you're just kind of like, ah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> so... Well, you said that, that, of course, a lot of the teams are dealing with the same things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you said the guy that had the sophomore experience, of course, he's a senior now mm-hmm. if he missed mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. That means everybody else, you know, the juniors would have been freshmen yep. uh, two years ago, which probably, as you said, didn't give you much experience. And my sophomores back. were in eighth grade. I mean, you know, in any given day, we'll start, you know, we'll start three to four sophomores, three to four juniors, and, you know, and two seniors, depending on who's on the, you know, two seniors position players, and then got a couple of senior arms. So, like I said, COVID definitely did weird things for everyone. <laughs> You're 24 and 4, mm-hmm. uh, heading uh, into this, I guess, final week slash the start of the uh, mm-hmm. the district tournament or the regional tournament we'll get to in just a moment. But 24 and 4, you went 10 and 0 in district. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, had a great season. Mm-hmm. How have you seen this team come together over that, that 28 game span? You know, I think it's one of the things, you know, for me, it's so much about taking each individual game, play, you know, having a standard, playing that standard, and holding the guys to the standard each game. And so it's one of the things of can you get the guys to buy into it's not about who we're playing, it's not about what your record is, what ramifications the game has, but it's are we going to try and pursue a standard of excellence each and every game? And the more you see guys buy into it and they understand that, hey, it's not so much we're playing another team, we're playing against the game, I think that's really when it kind of – there's a focus. And I think for this team, whenever they started having some success – and again, too, I mean, sure, they were still trying to figure out how good we're going to be. Mm-hmm. But I think once we kind of had those successes and were able to win some big games, then they're kind of like, oh, gosh, like, I guess we can be pretty good. You know, understanding we can be a good team. One of the things that I I just kind of say as a coach, it's like, I feel like each team, I mean, obviously there's, there's a ceiling to every team, but it's just trying to figure out how you hit that ceiling, what kind of the right formula is for hitting that ceiling. Right. And it's a different formula for each year, and that's the art of coaching. It's not a science. You can't really plug you know, A plus B equals C. It's, you know, trying to figure out what it is. And obviously, too, with like, you have a high schooler. You know how they are. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like on any given day, like, you don't know what you're going to get. So, um, like, I, you know, I think those are kind of the things that go into it. But, you know, for this team, number one, we've been blessed that we've stayed relatively healthy. 
Second thing too is we've had some guys who had some really good years. And I think number three is is just understanding the guys just have a will to win. You know, I know every team kind of takes on its own personality mm-hmm. uh, and, and that sort of thing. But what's the personality of this team? I mean, are they a close-knit group, take care of business on the field, but then kind of separate off the mm-hmm. field? Like what, what's the kind of personality or, or camaraderie that this team have? Yeah, so you asked about the camaraderie of the team. I, you know, I feel like we have a close team. Obviously, the guys probably tell you better than I can. But, I, you know, a couple of things is, is you always kind of look at – who are they going to eat with after the games? Right. Who are they hang out with? Who are they talking to? I feel like my guys hang out a pretty good bit outside, and I think that's a big thing. Obviously, whenever you get 32 guys on a team, which you have 32 guys on a roster, not everyone's going to like everyone. Whenever you have the majority of the guys that can hang out with each other, or at least respect each other, that's a good thing. I have three phenomenal assistant coaches, and two of them, one of them gets online and plays PlayStation with the guys, like, I think every night. <laughs> you know, so there's, just, I mean, there's, there's just things like that right. that are just that are good. You know, and um, one of the big things for me is we can laugh as a team together in certain in certain aspects. You know, Tim Corbin is the great coach at Vanderbilt. He always talks about comedic timing and how important comedic timing is for a team because, you know, in baseball, it's such a game because it's um, – you do play so many games and it's such a grind. Like, you need kind of that levity, that, that, that time to laugh. We're able to laugh together as a team. So, I think that provides a lot. I've got – I mean, I've got some guys who are, <laughs> are funny. Um, so, it's good. So, like I said, I mean, that's – that's kind of how I see see the team together. Yeah, I think, you know, at the game, as I mentioned yesterday, there was a, at one uh, point uh, the player came to bat and they started playing Sophia the First. Sophia the First. Sophia the First made an appearance. So, <laughs> so as the walk-up song, yeah. which for those, those of y'all listening, a walk-up song is usually the song that the, uh, the batter chooses as he's coming up to bat. He didn't choose that one. Yeah, that <laughs> was, was not, chosen I, for I, him. I was hoping that was not chosen, yeah, no. chosen by him. Yeah. Uh, so, again, stuff like that, uh, you know, just kind of makes it loose and, and fun. Yeah. Um, went to the game yesterday, and, of course, I've, I've known about it, but those have never been. North Point recently redid their facility. Yeah. Um, just a absolute fantastic baseball facility uh, if you have not been if you've never been to game if you're looking for a game to come watch at any time come come check them out i mean we're talking about all chair back seats uh, in the in the bleachers uh you've got the, the roof overhangs i know that they're getting a new scoreboard so talk you know briefly about what the facilities have meant to the to you and to oh the team my gosh i mean it's an absolute blessing that we have and i tell the guys too i'm saying y'all don't like y'all don't understand how lucky you are because they're they're colleges that would kill to have the facility that we have with our indoor cage literally 50 feet away from our playing facility, from the playing surface, from the field, and then our locker room about 20 feet away from that. But, you know, we've got, I think we've got like 210, 250 chairback seats, all covered seating, two-story press box, um, a concession stand that has an unencumbered view from the playing field. It's really funny too, Derek, whenever I coached at North Point, so our field is actually, is like sunk down. Right. So you got, you I remember thinking, I was like, man, it'd be so cool if they had bleachers or stadium seats because it's just, I mean, it's built for that. Right. They had this like deck thing and it was so terrible. <laughs> I mean, it was so awful. And so I was, and so one of the things whenever um, I was talking to Jim Ferguson, Mr. Ferguson about the job is I was like, we've got to do something about this deck because it's so terrible. And um, luckily just in God's timing, you know, we were able to do it. But, um, you know, going back to COVID. So last summer, um, it's funny because it was completed literally two weeks after the lockdown. Right. But last summer um, it was up and we, we were able to use it some last summer. I mean, it was really a place that it's, it's an amazing place to watch a baseball game. One of the things I tell them, like, I, I, I'm so thankful for our parents are able to come and enjoy it too because I want them to be able to come to a good place where they're excited about being and watching their kids play baseball. Right. My parents are spoiled now <laughs> because it's like they, they don't want to play any road games. Like, do we got to go play road games? But um, but it's so nice. I mean, I'll just go out there and sit sometimes too. And it's funny, administrators will tell me too. They're like, I had a meeting. We had it out of the baseball field. <laughs> they're like, and that's good. No, that's what is. you want. And honestly, the thing is too, it's like at a, at a place like North Point, that's the kind of things that you want for your kids to have those kind of facilities, to have those kind of experiences 
Um, and so it's, you know, I mean, it's good. I mean, and I think it's, I mean, it shows well just the, the school and the vision Mr. Ferguson has for it. I mean, it's, it kind of plays into it. And didn't that hit the deck, the old deck that you're talking about? Isn't it now in right field? Yes, it is. And the, and mm-hmm. the students, or a lot of the high school students yeah. go and stand I on I wanted that. to burn it, but they wouldn't let me. <laughs> so, um, such is life. You don't get everything you want, right? That's so. right. That's right. I think that's where, you know, that's where my, my kids watch from the deck yeah. uh, now that that's out there. Leading up, now we talked about this week. Now, a lot of the public schools, uh, baseball has finished the first round mm-hmm. uh, of play. Playoffs in, in the public schools, and the softball now is entering their North State Finals this mm-hmm. week. It just mm-hmm. wrapped up the uh, the second or third rounds, depending on how you look at it. This past week weekend, what is the schedule for North Point for the playoff perspective going forward, starting with the regional tournament? Yeah, so uh, so obviously we play in Tennessee. Um, a little weird, but we play in Tennessee private schools. So we have a double. So basically, it's a double nation regional tournament uh, where the top four seeds out of that advance to the state tournament. Um, in Tennessee, there's three regions. Um, each team will send t- uh, four teams from each region. So there's 12 teams that play in to the state championship. And then basically you kind of in a winding, meandering way that is so crazy, somehow you get four teams that play a double mission tournament in Murfreesboro. And okay, so, so it's a final four, kind of like the basketball was. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, it, it, but it's 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 a double elimination, and uh, in like I said, they played MTSU, and so that's kind of it's kind of what it is. I mean, so there's basically kind of three different things. You got your regional tournament, then you got sub-state, then you got your um, you got your final four. How far can this team go? I mean, do you good question. I, you know, I mean, so much is coming out of how we play. You know, in the playoffs, just how we play, and you know, in baseball, it's weird because a lot of it's just who's hot at the right time. Right. Our bats gonna be hot, our arms gonna be on. I think that we have the potential to go a long way. But again, it's just going to come down to how we play on each given day, and are we going to want to win? You know, can we win more pitches than the other team? Because we're going to run in some really good teams as yeah. well, too. Um, you know, we were lucky to get through our division ten and zero. You know, we beat some really good teams, and we may have to fi- face them again, and who knows what happens. Right. But again, I, you know, I, the biggest thing for me is just comes back to you know, are we pursuing excellence each day? You know, are we trying to be you know all God has created us to be? Are we trying to maximize our potential? And I think if we stay focused on those things, and we'll uh, you know we'll end up in a good place. So you said that the the tournament starts Thursday. Correct. Uh, what does the schedule look like for you this week uh, leading up? Now this this will air on Tuesday morning. Uh, so what is the schedule for y'all this week leading up to that? Yeah. That so uh, so we play White Station tomorrow. It's our final regular season game. Uh, we play them there, and then uh, you know we'll practice Tuesday, Wednesday, and then um, you know start the tournament Thursday. And, uh, you know, we'll be at home. I think I'm 99% sure we'll be home Thursday and Friday, uh, regardless of what happens on Thursday. So, y'all are going to have to let Bo come on both nights. Even no, he's got fine. homework. That's all right? Fine. Like, it's just going to have to happen. Well, you know, exams yeah. don't start for another two weeks, so we could probably you know, make that happen. So, uh, no, well, look, we really do appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, we appreciate you kind of just, you know, going through. Uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, we, we talk about North Point every show. Uh, we do we cover them. That. They only – private school that we cover uh we did cover manual heights in football mm-hmm. uh but the only private school that we cover uh you know for the other sports so but um you know wanted to kind of get to know a little bit more about the team uh, you know one of the best teams in tennessee you know it's funny to say that but you know, it is weird yes <laughs> it it's weird. weird to say it is one of the best teams in tennessee not mississippi yeah um just looking forward to the playoffs coming up and you know people are looking for you know you said next thursday and friday should have home games so if you're hearing this on tuesday make plans to come out thursday and friday if your team's no longer playing if you want to see some good baseball we'd love to have you out at the point uh, and watching uh, Coach Kirkpatrick and his team, you know, go out on the field and, and battle. So, again, uh, thank you, Coach Kirkpatrick, for coming on today, Man. and uh, good luck for the playoffs. Thank you, and thank you all for doing this podcast. I mean, it just, you know, it helps promote high school sports in DeSoto County, which is needed. 
And uh, like I said, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people that say, hey, you know, they, I was talking to a guy at church today. I was like, yeah, listen to the podcast, <laughs> which is great. I mean, it's great. It is. You know, I mean, it's good. I mean, and, and like I said, and it serves a need. And like, so, I mean, so we appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. Like I said, I really appreciate it. I appreciate your wife too. She does a lot for me and for the school. And so, um, Shameless plug to Lisa Bigelow. <laughs> well, look, I, I don't talk about, she, she gets, she's like, well, don't talk about me. But. Oh, Lisa, we're going to talk about you. We'll talk about you a lot. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate the kind words. And, that, and that's the, one of the things we did this was to get the kids and, and the coaches' names on the air. Uh, we don't have a, a news station here. We don't have anybody. And look, DeSoto County News does a great job. You yeah. know, Bob yeah. Backen does a great job in print. Uh, but we don't have a news station. We don't yeah. have a radio station yeah. uh, that covers this. And so this was kind of a purpose. So I appreciate you saying that. And again, schools, if you're listening, other coaches, if you're listening, please send us, you know, at UTW pod, tweet us so we can get mm-hmm. the information. That's where we get most of our information from to read it out on the mm-hmm. air. Cause we want to celebrate everybody having the wonderful seasons that they are. And quick plug too, I would say, follow the podcast on, on Twitter. And just like I said, the more followers they get, the more people know about it. And again, it's one of the things just, I mean, there's some really good athletics in DeSoto County and just trying to get the word out there for all the, you know, for all the schools, all the kids. Well, I really do appreciate it. So thank you again, Coach Kirkpatrick, for coming on Thanks here. Thanks for having me. Like I teased earlier, Derek, good personality on that coach. He, no, just a, again, it was so, it was fun. You know, there's, unfortunately, there's stuff we covered off air. I wish we could have interviewed about. I kind of mentioned before about the, uh, eligibility or, or the scholarship availability for some of the players and stuff like that. But we talked about a lot about his growing up. He didn't really want to put some of the stuff on air. Doesn't like to talk about individual players. Uh, you know, really wants to focus as a, as a team. So we didn't really get to cover the players like I kind of had hoped going into the interview. But again, it was a great interview and I really do appreciate him giving some of his Sunday afternoon to come into the studio. If you enjoyed that interview and enjoy our talks of high school baseball, high school athletics and high school sports, find us on Facebook at UTW Podcast on Instagram at UTW Podcast, on Twitter at UTW Pod, and especially share our podcast. Share it on Facebook. Share it on Hernando Happenings. Share it with friends. Share it with aunts, families, whatever you can do to help us grow and continue to shine a light on the youth in our area. Reminder, if you enjoy the UTW Podcast, look for OB Pod. OB Pod stands for Olive Branch. Fairly simple. OB Pod. They cover Olive Branch and Eastern DeSoto County. So they're mainly going to focus on Lewisburg, Olive Branch, and Center Hill. Again, that's OB Pod anywhere you listen to podcasts. Before we sign off, we want to mention our water tower sessions. Rooster Production and Mississippi Music will be putting on a singer-songwriter night next Friday night, May 14th, at the Panola Street Courtyard right off the square in Hernando. It's a great way to kick off the A-Fair. I've been watching the weather. I know it's a little bit of ways out, but the weather's looking really nice. Should be a nice, beautiful uh, day here in Hernando to kick off the A-Fair. Mississippi Music and Rooster Production partnering for a singer-songwriter night called the Water Tower Sessions. Hopefully, Derek, it's the first of many that will be coming and really looking forward to that next Friday night. Gates open at 7.30. The show starts at 8 o'clock. It will be an intimate evening evening of storytelling music keith peluso jeremy stanfield and stephen michael will all entertain us that night well derek may the force be with you throughout the, the week. Be with yeah, you may the force be with you throughout the entire week if there's nothing else i'm matt and i'm derek join us next time under the water tower